0: Hello, my name is Lexi Davis. I'm a self-discovery coach, a yoga and meditation instructor, a love enthusiast, and a really playful human being. I serve people through my business, Alive to Enjoy, and this is Heart Snuggles, a holistic wellness podcast where I invite guests to drop into their heart space through authentic conversations and compassionate intentions, all in mini cuddly episodes, hoping that you connect to your truth in the most authentic version of yourself. I hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone to Heart Snuggles, we hope you're having a lovely day today and I brought on my old boss and just amazing human being that I miss dearly from Australia, so Dee just go ahead and give yourself a little
1: intro. I will, thanks Lexi and for all your audience they're probably not used to the Aussie accent so I'll try and speak slowly. (laughs) Okay so yes, I met beautiful Lexi a few years ago now. And when you were travelling and did quite a bit of work for me, which was beautiful. Um, I'm a couples psychologist in the main formally. And I actually go go under the banner of couples master coach because I am a master life coach as well. And over the years, I've uh, tallied up over 4,700 couples now. Uh, And over 30 years, I think it's an okay thing to say I'm a couples master coach so that's what I do I work with couples in um, conflict couples in crisis day in day out
0: yes yeah I would definitely consider you a master you're so good at (laughs) (laughs) so good at assisting in such a beautiful way too and seeing the scenario and yeah putting all the pieces together for everyone so
2: I love what you do for that
0: (laughs) And the question of the podcast is what was the last random act of kindness someone did for you?
1: Ah, the last random act of random.
0: (laughs) If you can't think of a random one, it could just be a
2: non-random, but. I had lots of acts of kindness done for me. A lot of them are thank yous. Do they count? Sure. We can go (laughs) with that. Yeah. Um, well, I currently
1: have a nineteen-year-old granddaughter who's in between school and uni, coming, and she does my garden. She manages some of my technology. She creates new Canva designs. So they're not exactly random, but they're great acts of kindness.
0: That's beautiful, and it's so both nice. for both of us, probably.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's
2: so
1: nice. Mm. Yeah.
0: So let's start with how you got into this work in this field.
2: Hmm
1: well that's interesting because I was a teacher for 15 years and during that time I used to see kids come to school in misery and and, or behave badly and I would check in and find out that mum and dad weren't happy they were fighting they were miserable it was awful so I got it I became interested and started parent teacher interviews back in the early days of the late 1960s early 70s where parents would come along, not to talk about the kids' academics and performance like today, they would come and talk about the family dynamics and I somehow, with no training, was, um, I guess, uh, whatever you're brave enough, courageous enough, to step in and say, well, this child's a poor little thing, whatever's going on, and I started helping parents. Anyway, out of that I then decided to get initially into child psychology, but that didn't work. I couldn't get in because they cancelled the course So I went into general psychology and became a generalist psychologist when I was 40. And then I went into, I was seeing people for depression and anxiety and grief a lot of the time and a lot of relationship issues and breakups and I would bring the other partner in with no special training because there wasn't any back then and I would seem to be able to fix it and, and repair it and then the depression and the anxiety would either reduce significantly or even disappear. So then I decided to specialize. I just saw more and more couples than I specialized just in couples. So now I only, for many, many, many years, only see couples.
0: That's so cool. It's just been a natural gift inside of you.
1: Maybe. Yes, maybe. You were talking about that earlier. Yeah. It's that the, 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 the messages come through, don't they? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah. It's, it's such an, that's like one of the reasons I like doing my work too, is like the, Couples play such a big relationship. Parenting plays such a big relationship in everyone's lives and it affects your children. Like, you know, this is how we're shaped is in our childhood. So having good dynamics in the household is really key, I think, for everyone.
1: Yeah, you're so right. And uh, there's a guy called Harvey McKay and he said so many years ago that uh, the quality of our lives are determined by, or he says our success in our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships or the success in our relationships, true. Then it comes along with the other maestro, who's Tony Robbins, who says the same thing. And then we get Esther Perel, who's a leading psychotherapist, couple psychotherapists worldwide, and she says the same thing. So it is so true. The quality of our lives are determined by our relationships. Now, also watching our parents' relationships and what we learn from that as um their role models and also what we take away from it in how we relate to the rest of the world
2: yeah it's so, so. right
1: yeah
0: and and just like and you repeat the patterns of your parents unless you want to break
1: them so it's like really yes. important
0: even if you hate the things that they did or whatever it's like you notice you're doing them yourself so
1: yes exactly how many people now ended up like my dad or like my mother <laughs> <laughs> And
0: that's why your work is so important. So, what do you think the what are the main problems you see in relationships with the couples you have?
1: Well, I see where they push each other away from each They push offside. They become adversarial. Is what happens, accusatory and adversarial. So, I have this whole umbrella idea that I structure that I work with. It's a model called Towards and Away. So. Good relationships, strong, sound relationships draw their their love like love magnets. They draw their partner and their husband, their wife, closer and can draw them in over the years towards them, even through disagreements and differences of opinions or whatever other crises come up in life. But the typical couples I see, they've pushed their partner away. One has pushed the other away or they've both been doing it. They're adversarial, they've become opponents or they've become withdrawn, you know, disconnected cold. Um so it's the towards away dynamic that I'm fixing all the time.
0: Yes, that is very common. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like it's It's weird to just go back and forth. Yeah. Like you one person Mm. do then the other. And it's just like you're in this constant almost like
1: game. It's so yeah. Yeah. Well it's called a lot of people have called it a game and others call it a dance. And that's Australian South Australian dance, not dance, but anyway for whoever's listening. So if it's a dance, it's about the more you do that, the more I do this. The less you do that, the less I'll do that. That's the dance that goes on. Now, that comes from um, a United States guy in the United States, fabulous, very well-known therapist called Terry Reel. He has his whole business is around relational life therapy, RLT, which is fabulous. So that's one of his things I use all the time. So it's all about the more you do whatever you do, whatever it is, the more you make a mess in the kitchen and don't clean it up, the more you drop your clothes on the floor, the less I'm warm to you and the less I want to do anything for you and have a cuddle, yeah? Mm -hmm. Or the more you walk away from me and storm out and yell at me, the more I withdraw from you. Then the less warm we are together, and the less likely we are to have a cuddle on the couch. So it just goes on and on and on. The more, the more, the less, the less. I love it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I've had both of those <laughs> dynamics in past relationships. So I, I'm yes, sure both of us have at some point too. And um, yes, so
1: it's how it serious it gets. You know, it's whether we can do an intervention and, and pull ourselves up. Because the trouble is, we're always trying to pull the other one up. We always point the finger and pull the other person up, not say, well, what about I quickly shift? I move my energy around and my words and choose a different tone and attitude. And what if I do look at me? And that's when the magic starts to happen and we get what I call the love magnet back again, where we're drawing our loved one, the one we really care about, towards us again
2: instead of away.
1: That's so true. And um,
0: so saying that, I think that's so important, is that radical responsibility because uh, the blame game is the blame point the finger is so hurt like i don't want to use maybe the word toxic but you know it's just like it, it's not productive in any way and you no, i no. won't see results
1: if <laughs> you keep no doing you that. never do because if you blame if we feel blame put it that way if I, it doesn't matter whoever's on the end of the blame feels accused yeah so i pick up i go well if you feel accused we have an involuntary response to that that we cannot control, you can't ask anybody to control that because it's human survival mechanism. If we feel accused, we get our back up. We become antagonistic. So it's the accusatory part that I coach in stopping and changing and altering. I go just there and go, right, let's change the words, let's change the thoughts behind it, whatever else is going on because the involuntary response, you can't ask that Person that's suffering it to do something about it.
0: Yeah, I think this is a great um thing to talk about. Is like that defense mechanism, and so how can you communicate so people don't get defensive?
2: Yes,
1: that's a good question. I love it. Yes. Well, the thing is, over time, things build up. But in the early stage of when this starts to happen, it's a natural thing to think I'm uncomfortable, and it must be you that created that. So. The thing is, the way to do it is to be able to say without saying I'm uncomfortable and without saying I feel or you made me feel, no, that all goes. We
2: say, so something's going on for you to the other person. Can I understand that a bit better? It's I'm not feeling really good at the moment. It's a very different way from saying you made me feel like that and they might say well you left the dishes on the sink for the hundredth time you can you have to own it if you did but you might say well yeah but why can't i i don't want to live with your standards so then we go well
1: how could we work out standards we can both live with we ask a question so everything i say all around asking questions <laughs> yeah. you probably remember that from back in the day <laughs> I when do. We used to. you used to do a lot of type up typing up for you a lot of stuff for me. you probably saw it come across your little desk a lot
0: mm-hmm, definitely did and I think that's beautiful it's like recognizing when the shift of energy is changed and naming it you know it's just that simple thing and I oh I can't remember how many times like um you know I'm sorry you feel that way or like you know just like not owning any responsibility it would
2: just drive me crazy yeah, yeah that's
1: right you see because as soon as, because that's the name and blame. We need to drop the, name it, but in a questioning nice way rather than saying I am, I feel. As soon as we say I feel, you're not going to get a good response. And I will put it out there for whoever watches this, however this gets dispersed, there will be some people who complain about it, about me saying this, all right, because I it used to be, and there's still a whole mainstream of couples therapy there that goes on for a year to two years. I never see anybody that long, no couples that long. Oh, well, I won't say no, none, a rare couple. So it depends on what crises they've been through. However, if they say, I feel, I feel it used to be the way we did it, you got no resolution. It did not get repaired. It didn't work. So I didn't do it ever, but I saw loads of learnings. I've been in loads of courses that say do it. That's how you do it. No, not at all. That is not, the other person's not listening to that. They're too busy with what's upset them. And they don't want to be blamed. So as soon as we go, I feel this from you, that means you're getting accused and blamed. It's your fault that you're the deficient one or I'm the deficient one, or we're both deficient, but we're each going, you, 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 you. Yeah,
0: and so when you start to help them with that and maybe like, Set a boundary or set new dynamics. How do you help them integrate that? Because sometimes I know a lot of people, I know myself, I didn't have boundaries in my life. So I was like, you know, so yeah, how do you help
2: with that? Yeah. So I draw attention to if it feels like you're being pushed away,
1: we need to draw the boundary for the other person so they know they're pushing you away because they may not know. But that doesn't come back by saying I feel. So how you say it would be to say the boundaries setting is I feel uncomfortable about that. That's what I feel that's all right. So how can I help you feel better about it? Own your stuff. How can I help you feel better about it? I'm a bit uncomfortable, but what can we do to talk it through? That sets the boundary that says I'm not liking that, but we don't say I'm not liking it, but we're going back and saying, well, what would make you feel better? I give lots of couples examples with this. You'll have all of them. Every couple does. Don't you worry. Young ones, people (laughs) together 20 years. I see it all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What are the boundaries? Well, the first boundary, and I gave the first three R words earlier, there's a fourth one which I didn't put in there at that time but that's pretty key it's probably the most important one that is respect but what is respect
2: what is it do we where do we learn it how do we show it do we feel it you know I have some very
1: sad stories with couples in IVF and losing babies and all this stuff and
2: one or other partner accusing the other person of the pain when it's they can't see because there's no respect in there, really, either way. So where I start with towards and away is I come in with what would respect feel like, and I might say to a couple where there's a, an interaction like you said before, you know, I don't like you did that. So it's your problem. To come back and say, so I'm hearing you're not feeling respected. Because all blame comes usually <laughs> from. A, you're not feeling respected or am i right if i say that and often that other partner might go oh no i really respect you i do respect you i do and then they'll
1: get the hang of it thinking oh well, actually that wasn't terribly respectful behavior i do i wasn't thinking then we can start doing it. but if they say yes i'm not feeling good about this then you go okay let's talk about how we can show each other more care, and then respect comes off the back
2: of it. But it is a learning thing. It's a new way of talking, speaking, thinking. thinking. So get the thoughts. to get your emotions because that's the thoughts,
1: the emotions, and deliver it back in a way the other person feels good and you feel good.
2: Because if you don't feel good about what you're saying back, you know it's not good. Definitely true. And we, <laughs> we didn't include the
0: the three R's for staying emotionally balanced in these times we talked about before the call. So could you mention
1: them? Oh, did we? Oh, apologies. Yes. (laughs) So they are the most important
2: reacting. There's a sub one of that called responding back going reacting. Okay. Reassurance. Yeah. And resilience. Now that you could put resilience in around the other way with reassurance, but the three
1: come together. So if we react, we are pushing the other person away 99% of the time. So we need to respond instead. i could put that one in as the fourth word, but it's about learning reactions a problem. Then instead of reacting, reassurance, if that's predominantly the way of interaction you have, you will develop resilience
2: around other little. Our, uh, random reactions we're not too bad with little ones that come along we're all human we're going to do them
1: but we're not it's different from a massive you know ratchet up to a category five cyclone fight <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> so important because <laughs> the reaction yeah it triggers both people when anyone reacts and you go into that mode as well and then it just like spirals spirals
1: spirals so yes it does you either get sucked down into a vortex of misery or you explode up into a volcano eruption. One or other, not usually anywhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, really, that's really important too. And the problem is you can't recover. So that's another R word. So I've got respect and recovery in there as well and repair. I've got lots of R words and resentment.
0: <laughs> Ooh, let's talk about
1: resentment. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about resentment? Yeah, sure. Yes. Well, resentment builds and we hardly as humans hardly notice it until it's so big that we can actually ter- voice it
2: verbalize it. And it t- it comes out because we think somebody is getting it wrong. The other partner
1: is getting it wrong. They're hurting us somehow and we maybe don't say anything about it, or the way we say it doesn't bring back any compassion or care or respect. So we set, because of that sense of not being mattering enough, we start resisting and pushing back on that other person. Then it becomes a two-way, and the other person might say, hey, you all right? What's going on? And you can't even verbalise it. You go, yep, fine, all good, and you know it's not. Or we don't deal with it because we don't know how. So then the partner that says, you all right, everything all right, babe? then starts to feel rejected because there's bubbles around the other person and then other person with the bubble around them feels rejected, two-way, then retaliation comes in and finishes a
2: loop and then we get nasty. And then we build what I call grudge. Lots of yucky grudges.
0: Those are the worst, yeah.
1: And then we have to wade through them to find a happy place with each other again. So better not to build them.
0: So how do you help people vocalise things as soon as they start feeling it instead of letting it build up, build up, build up? Yeah.
1: So by validating what the other person's saying, if they're saying something, even validating what they didn't do, if it's that annoying, to validate it, to acknowledge they didn't do it because they either are not on the same page fastidious wise or they're too busy or they didn't notice or whatever to say I can see you, you didn't get a chance and I know the, and then you
2: validate I know this don't want to hear this but how can we work better on this so that it doesn't impact on me as much or us yeah so we're not splitting into sides we
0: do that yeah we forget that we're yeah. like here to work on this together and we, when we go into those Conflicts or compromises, we instantly become like so separate and so divided. Instead of being like, let's come together to heal this together.
1: (laughs) It's so true. It's so true.
2: Yeah,
1: I know. And I talk about that that to heal together,
2: somebody doesn't want to be told to. They need to be invited to. That's how you do it. It's all invitation. And
1: I say to a lot of people, let's just go with invitation only to be the love magnet. Invite it in. Yeah, it might come in otherwise as well. That's fantastic. But usually, tension in couples, we have to uh, be agreeable, say something. So, it might be any little thing can be, what's the glass? Glass on sink, for instance, an
2: irritation in a lot of households, especially with everyone working from home here in Australia at the moment. So, glass on sink is accusatory, it's judgmental,
1: it's irritated. The other person's not usually going to go and say, Oh, okay, I'll put it in the dishwasher.
2: <laughs> no. Okay, it's okay,
1: doll. Yeah, my mistake. My bad. I've got to put it in. No, they're not going to. But if we said, Hey, I can see you've been a bit busy and I'm just putting the glass away, it's not as accusatory, it still might be taking that one. I'm just putting it away, just so you know. And you might go and rub that person's back and say, I know you're having a rough day. I'm not picking on you. Okay. And then you might say, what would be a better way we could work this? Because that does
2: drive me nuts. Because it's okay but drives you nuts. It drives, a lot of things drive a lot of people nuts. Leaving lights on, one of my main things. Okay? Um, the way the dishwasher's packed and unpacked. How you cook fish. Yeah, we all have our
0: things. And also remembering, too, like to honour that you have your things and to honour that they have their stuff. You sem- have to
1: honour them. Yeah, you honour them and say, how can we get something here that works for both of us? And it could well be that the grass goes in the sink and sits there and then the person that's so fussy about it accepts they're going to be in there and goes and puts them away but every now and again the person that puts the glasses there will come and clean them out in their break or whatever become more mindful of it and whack it in the dishwasher I don't know
2: yeah it's cooperation it's cool
0: yeah it's cooperation and I would love to talk about the key elements to help rescue couples that are in crisis
2: Hmm. okay first thing we're doing is we stabilize them So by stabilising, we accept the pain that our part, each other, has created. We stabilise first, right? We stabilise, we learn to speak, warm, soft speak, and stop our tone and attitude of accusatory stuff, get rid of it. That's two things. That's it. But there's a lot that goes into that. That's how they do it. Then we go from there to repair. Some of the repair overlaps with the stabilising because if they're in crisis, they're
1: usually at the brink of breakup or could have broken up when I see them. So we do need to stabilise wherever they are and do a rescue, work out if it's rescuable and then we work on repair. And then after that comes recovery. Recovery is aligning and letting go of all the hurt and the pain that happened
2: as best you can. So one of the things I say, everyone wants to talk about forgive and forget. I I don't. I wipe all that up. You cannot forgive a lot of things, so don't even put yourself there or forget a lot of them. What you can do is accept them. Accept and move on. So that's in a nutshell. I don't know how much more detail you'd like than that. I can go on for
1: hours, as you can see. (laughs)
0: I think that's beautiful and I love that too like when people say forget it's like that's that's not humanly possible to forget what's been done to you and um no. yes to accept what's been done and to rebuild that trust again and to take mm-hmm. steps to move forward I think it's like we just steps. have to
1: accept something happened
2: someone was not thinking inconsiderate disrespectful off the uh the Richter scale of thoughtlessness and being inconsiderate can you accept it that's the question because we can't heal if you can't as long as it's not happening again so that's the big reassurance word comes back in so acceptance which fits in under the resilience banner and uh, accepting and moving on comes under reassurance yeah that can't important. happen again that's really important because that's where i find yeah it's like it's so hard
0: because you know we. We want to take steps forward and then we slip back and then it gets really sticky and icky again because it's like, are we moving forward? Or are we moving back? And then, yes, it'll happen one time, but is it happening multiple times? So it's just like, how to navigate all that is why I'm sure why it's really it. helpful to yeah, have people there.
1: Because we've got the hair up on the back of our neck looking for the next signal that we're not
2: emotionally secure. That reassurance securities. If it's not there, we can't rebuild. We have to create it.
0: I'd love to talk about um, how do you help couples that have been through cheating?
1: Well, that's how I do that. It is nearly all couples who've been through cheating that I deal with. Mm -hmm. So we stabilize first. We hear them out. Um, There's always reasons each partner's putting to it. Um, The cheating partner will say, he, he, he didn't do that or she didn't do that and she let me down and she wasn't there for me or he, all the reasons. But they still cheated. Still a bad thing. Um, and they can, if they come to me, they usually want to stay together and they want to get past it. So we stabilize by hearing out hearing them both out and managing emotions down, regulate. So I show them how to soothe. I show how the cheating the cheating partner how to reassure instead of being defensive about all the attacks. And to accept the fact there are going to be massive attacks for months. Depending on how long. Some of the cheatings only three weeks. And some of it's only emotional and some of it's just a few texts. Then we've got two to three years to that extreme of a full-on affair with somebody in the office. So there's those extremes. I've had an extreme where a couple came to see me when um, the guy had been having an affair with a woman four streets away, yeah, for eight years and had a child with her and her seven-year-old child, his,
2: ended up in the same class as their daughter, and of course, same dad, they look alike. And the mother picked up
1: on the looks because she had enough other suspicious reasons. So that's the other extreme one I've had.
2: Oh. <laughs> wow. So so we we didn't couldn't do anything with them. Okay. That I'll be honest about that. I couldn't
1: do anything with that. Nobody, I'll be amazed if anybody could. I don't know what they thought by coming here. Um We just couldn't, I couldn't get any ownership of anything. So it didn't go anywhere, one of the very few that don't. But the others are mend because they want to, they care enough. And usually the partner that's pushed the other partner away can realise some of the stuff enough. Doesn't mean that's a justification for going and doing that. But they can say, yes, I I wasn't intimate or didn't want any sex for two
2: or three years, you know. I didn't uh, say hello when he came home. Um, I didn't, if it's him, I, 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 didn't, didn't, didn't
1: for the woman. For the guy, it will be I worked too hard. I was far too career focused. Yeah, I didn't pay enough attention at home. I wasn't there enough. Um,
2: I didn't notice when she had her hair done. Obvious things women want. They're all there. Or, Or, yes, I have a temper one way or the other
1: pushing away with a temper, uh, and people go for comfort to the comfortable, comforting arms of someone, especially if there's someone at work that's easy to access
2: and there's a bit of a spark. So that's the story of how it goes. So how do they repair? Well, firstly, they cry a lot. They do cry an awful lot, and um,
1: I encourage that. And I encourage when they're crying to write things down if they possibly can while they're crying. The emotions get it all out. And then we get as much clean out of emotions as possible and start adjusting around without blaming. I do the best I can to remove the judgment and the blame. Can't totally, especially if someone's had a two-year affair with the girl down the street, which has happened. Yeah, I've had the couple come where the woman down the street turned up on their doorstep at seven o'clock, drunk, very drunk, seven o'clock one morning, Saturday morning, knocked on the door. Kids answered it. She's absolutely out of her her tree on drugs, I think, and alcohol. And blurts, calls the wife down who's still in bed. She comes down. He's still up in bed. She comes down because she can hear it's the neighbour and the kids say, it's this girl from down the street whose kids
2: they play with. And she came down she said, I've been having an affair with your husband for a year. He's going to move in with me. He's moving out from you and moving in with me. There you go. So all sorts. That is still in this in process over a couple of years of possibly
1: being able to repair it. But I think really just hanging until the kids are old enough and then they'll part
2: because the boy they've got boys and they adore their dad, so he's staying there. But he did have a full on affair with the neighbour for a year. Ugh. Wow, you have so many stories. What's a? I
0: always remember all your stories. What's another crazy couple that you've helped repair from um, a wild story?
1: A wild story? <laughs> well, a wild, the wildest one is uh, a fellow who had two
2: offices um, here in Melbourne, one in the city and one out in, the, in a big um, business complex. His wife didn't know about the office in the business complex. He had 30 staff there. He also had a racehorse, bought a winery and she only knew about the little office and the little money that he made. She didn't know he had all this other going on. And he had an affair with one of the girls in the other office for a couple of years, 18 months or something, and got caught on uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Wow. So that's one. I've got many, 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 but, you know, they're that I've got many, but they're all
1: a theme that's similar. Guys, in most of mine, I don't get too many women come along that have had an affair because men are ashamed and won't
2: bring, and the women won't come for therapy, won't come for couples work. The guys, and the guys won't push them too hard because they think the woman will leave. Where well, it's a
1: totally different thing when it's the guy that's betrayed. In my world over here anyway.
0: That's very important to yeah to name like it's like why are the staff like that? It's there's a reason that those there's a reason
1: those are yeah fine. because the guy the, yeah because the women are much more likely to leave if they've had an affair, um, especially if it's because the guy's worked too hard and ignored her for a long time, and they've usually got their ducks well and truly lined up. They don't just go have uh, random affairs like men do with someone in the office. No, <laughs> it's a different <laughs> demographic.
0: Another question I want to bring up is if couples have lost intimacy, how do you help them
2: with that? Okay, that is a big part of what I do, um, and I have a, a process which I take it. Uh, I I'll, I'll come from a play a play date idea to restore fun.
1: So we start with fun. And we have to get rid of grudges because usually there's
2: massive resentment there. So we do a, it's usually about 12 weeks, 12 sessions, where I wake, help them each wake the other one up from what they've shut down on
1: emotionally and physically, arousal and desire-wise. So I work through fully
2: on the desire for belonging. That's what I do. I have a process, too much to talk about on it. Like this, but that's how I do it, and it works very well. Very yeah, well. I think that's
0: just that remembrance that like you're not destined. You know, if if you are having this problem, it's not the end, and there are ways. No, to- it's
1: not the end, and they do repair well. And they, they, I, I've got all about five scenarios actually, um, for play dates, and uh, they're probably a little bit too intimate to be talking about on here. But they, they start with some alcohol, some people will knock that, i get that, but some Baileys Irish cream or something, just a little bit, and a plate of cheese and Bikis and yummy stuff by the bed, two little ones, one each side, and just sit there, listen to some nice music and stroke each other. That's it. That's where we start. And it's amazing how fast it comes alive. It's awkward. They have to act. Yeah, uh, it comes alive over time when they do it, because then the next time we've got another little scenario. So we create lovemaking scenes is what I do. Uh, lovemaking theater, I call it.
0: <laughs> it's so true. It does. It just takes that like remembrance of those beginning stages, maybe, of, you know, of, like how you. When, felt,
1: And when you did lovely things then, and I'm not talking about the raunchy um, set the room up for all sorts. Not talking about that at all because that's going to turn someone off usually at this stage. But no, 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 we're talking about warming in, how we warm up and warm in and feel like we want feel like we are desirable. We need to be desired.
0: Yes, that's huge yes. on both ends. And I think oftentimes women think that, but men feel that a lot as well.
1: They do. They yeah. certainly do. How often I hear that from men that will say to me, Especially if they've had affairs, is I, or they've been um, caught up in the sex worker world, the hookers and the
2: escorts. So it's like, well, I, um, you know, I just didn't feel desired anymore. I felt like I'm on the lowest list of
1: importance with the kids and her work and her girlfriends and her social life
2: and her whatever. I'm down the bottom, not desired at all. So we all need to feel desirable
1: if we want to have an intimate relationship with anybody
2: agreed
0: and last thing I want to talk about is money issues and we've done it really. oh yeah
1: money oh dear <laughs> right what would you like to know
0: <laughs> um I guess if um maybe there's a power dynamic of someone making more money how to um release that control
2: with yes market. yeah so Because I deal with a lot of high-performing business people, uh, there's usually one who
1: is making massive monies and the other one maybe not. I do have and often have some couples where I have, because that's usually the guy but not always, but it is usually.
2: But the, the female maybe. Now, that dynamic does not work well. Men don't deal well with women earning way, way more than
1: men in the main. Unless they've agreed to be the home dad, and not earn, but if they're earning at a quarter of the rate or less, it causes a huge power struggles. There's a very big power imbalance over allocation of time and resources and decision making around where it's spent. So um, that's the hardest one to do much with. I do do something with it, uh, and he, if he's earning less, there are decisions around how he looks at her and we work her through a process of waking him up to the fact that he's shutting her off and shutting her down because she's been successful. So we change the mindset around that and that works really well. And I also help a successful female be less um be softer and more feminine around it. That's the words to say less hard. you can get a bit hard in business. And if it's the other dynamic where it's the men who are earning massive amounts, um, which is mainly my clients, um, and women at stay-at-home mums, or they might have something smaller on the side that they are more not necessarily needing the money for, but they just want something to satisfy them and have purpose in life. Um, I show them how to blend their time better and prioritise better and use their good fortune uh, to bring out their quality of life rather than Go into battle over the power struggle because definitely, again, a power dynamic, but it's usually caused through
2: a uh, lack of tension. So, I talk about um, relationship wellness, Lexi. So, I'm always talking about it, and
1: um, we, it's as important or more important than all the other wellnesses because you haven't got the other wellnesses without it. All on the, it doesn't matter which dimension or Graphic you look at seven dimensions of wellness and health or nine or whatever we have to put the relational one the relationship one in a really significant place because if career and money and health in the physical sense of gym daily gym takes over relationship suffers
2: gets crushes down that's so right. yeah so that's a money that comes from a side effect of having a lot of uh, money because it might be that. You might have created a lot of money over a time but can't let go of this drivenness. So it's a
1: side effect of the money.
0: Sometimes something else I notice is um, the person that makes money sees the other person having no value. Yes.
1: And, yeah. Well said. And I say to that one too because I often get a guy saying to me, why can't she value what I do? And he she says, why can't he value the support I give him? You're absolutely right. The value word comes up all the time. They don't. So that's it's not as hard as that sounds. You would think that would be a really difficult dynamic to shift, but it's not. It's not. Because usually the intimacy's died down to nearly nothing because of the power shift, the dynamic of devaluing. We devalue and demean and be little.
2: We're not having much nice, comfortable um, desire and good sex not happening so because I can usually move that into a good space
1: intimate wise that usually balances out and it stops quickly by quickly over
2: about six months totally disappears it diminishes it um, what's the word I'm trying to think of it, it ebbs away yeah and once a woman feels she's matters enough and she's up enough and whatever she'll respond warmly yes Yes. yeah that's beautifully said
0: because it's like um all the other money isn't the only way to measure things and and then when someone feels that they're not worthy then they retrain they retract their love and it just is like this whole cycle always
1: it is totally the unworthy thing yes
0: yes yes (laughs) well that's why it's really important to get help so please share anything you're offering right now and how people can find you
1: Right. Well, I'm always offering. I have a series of, um, or two lots of videos, but let's go with this one, which is five web, live webinars I did called Relationships That Thrive. Okay. And that is all about all of this in five uh, 45 minute videos. They're all live webinars I gave, recorded now, of course. So they're $197. So it's a, it's, very good. Now, for people who want to watch this, if they come
2: in and I will send you the code. Is that right? Is that what you want me to do? Yeah, we can if put I that. I give you a code. We can put that in the description. Yeah,
1: in the description. Yeah, um, I'm happy to do that for ninety seven. Oh, wonderful! Sounds okay, so- they're the most watched webinars, most attended webinars I've ever done. I had like six, seven hundred on, um, and at the time. I think one of the things we look at is how many people stay to the end and over 90% of people stayed to the end of each webinar. Unbelievable. I was really shocked by that. So there must be something good in it and I know there is.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there is.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and do you no, offer um, coach a couple counselling?
1: Yeah, I do that. Yes, absolutely. Anytime. I have a button on my website to book a free uh, discovery call that's 45 minutes and then we
2: just
1: perfect. so I can send you through all of those links
0: perfect thank you so so much Dee
1: all right lovely thank you so much for having me it's been really an honor to yeah. be here <laughs>